Righto, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again, the podcast in your ears known as Dirtbags. So it's a lovely Thursday afternoon, 6pm, that means we're coming out at that point in time. And as always, I'm joined by my fabulous host, Danny Curran, co-host, Danny Curran, DC, what's going on, bud? Oh, mate, I am killing the game. I'm here with none other than four-time Australian rally champ, 2018 side-by-side Australian champ, and all-round concreter and bad bass, otherly known as Simon Evans. Mate, Simon, how are you, my friend? Mate, I'm living the dream. Uh, Having a ball, uh, loving the off-road racing and, uh, yeah, just glad to be here, boys. Uh, I love your podcast. Big fan and happy to be here. Awesome, mate. Now, listen, we're going to hit the ground running here because I think for a lot of us off-road, us dirt guys, um, I mean, I've known you because we've been involved with the Side-by-Side Australian Championship, but I'm not sure if everyone understands your your history with rally racing. I mean, you were in the glory days when it was the best of the best going at it in Australian racing. Josh, you were talking about it. You told me before the podcast some of the people that uh, Simon has raced against, which includes like the likes of Possum Bourne. How crazy is that? Simon, surely... I want to know the backstory. How did you get involved in rally racing? Because, I mean, it's something that's always fascinating me. Those guys in rally are just, I don't know, I'm going to say it. They're loose and they are crazy. Fast, dangerous, take chances. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, look, rallying was my forte. Uh, from when I was a kid, I used to follow it on Nine's Wide World of Sports. And they used to cover, so back in the 80s, this is, this is showing my age now. Um, not that the beard does, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, We're all- yeah um, they used to, they used to uh, show the British Rally Championship on Nine Wilds Auto Sports, and so I was a big fan of Penty Ricola um, and a few of those boys that, that, that did the British Rally Championship. And I don't know, I just I, I hadn't. I guess you could say in the fair towards it. Like I, I just fell in love with it um, and I fell in love with what those boys could do in cars and mm. I thought to myself, I think I was six or seven years old and I was following on TV and I, I just thought, why can't I be a rally driver? So I remember harassing my dad and uh, he thought push bikes were dangerous so he bought a paddock bomb for me, a little Datsun 1000. And um, by, by the time I was seven years old, I had a car um and i thought i was penty auricula so i charged we lived on a 10 acre farm back then now it was it was a hobby farm um but we had this beautiful driveway up a steep hill and it was windy and it was perfect uh, rally territory and i would just charge up and down this hill all day every day and to the point where the neighbors got the shits because i, I had so much dust and but um when they found out it was just the, the seven-year-old doing it, they actually, you know, helped me. And, you know, the next thing, the neighbours are buying me tyres and they're putting fuel in my car and um, they're just helping out because, you know, I'd learnt to um, to siphon fuel from Dad's work van at seven years old um, because he never put fuel in my buddy, in, in my, my uh, paddy palm. So I had to learn how to siphon and get it out of there so uh, somebody kept driving. Um, which was, yeah, they were good fun times. And then 
I was a big fan of Dukes of Hazard at the time. It was a good show on TV. And um, they loved jumping cars. And we had a dam. And I thought, I reckon I could jump that dam. Um, but it was about 35 feet across. Anyway, uh, safe to say I didn't make it. Uh, I sent me a little Datsun 1000 as fast as I could. But it was a bit of an uphill ramp and it wasn't good. We went straight up in the air and we landed and we actually beached the car on the damn wall. I just went straight up like this and landed on the damn wall and I had all four wheels off the ground. And I thought, I think I was nine years old, to be honest, at the time. And uh, I thought, holy shit, how am I going to get out of this before Dad gets home because he's going to freak out and go off, off tap. So I ran over to the neighbour's house, which is about half a k away. And I uh, said, can you, can you pull me off the damn wall anyway? So he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll Dave. Top bloke. He comes over, he's a mechanic, comes over with his uh, Land Rover or whatever it was. And he looks at the car and he goes, did you try to jump the dam? <laughs> said, yep. <laughs> he goes, you were never going to make it. And I'm like, why is that? And he goes, you lined up perfectly with the big tree on the other side. Even if you made it, you would have crashed into <laughs> I never thought of that. Like, we didn't go that far down the path. So, yeah, no, it was funny in day. We dragged the car off the wall and, um, and yeah, I continued on with my childhood. But, uh, yeah, Dad Dad found out a few years later and got stuck into me for being a dickhead. <laughs> and <laughs> my old man, he grew up in the school of hard knocks and uh, he, he's never been supportive in anything I've done other than the fact that he just tells me what to do and, you know, in respect that you're a dickhead and you shouldn't do it that way. Um, but he never provides any words of encouragement. There's always words of negativity. But, look, I still love him and, uh, you know, he, he's been a fantastic influence, to be honest, in my life. So I can't complain. Yeah, that's awesome. So then um, – so from there – Obviously, there was the the family you started off with, um, with with rally, but bashing around the um around the yard a bit. But one of the earliest cars that I first remember was you had a a black and silver. Was it Hella sponsored Subaru? <laughs> that car was cool. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the Hella car. Yeah. That um. That probably ignited my career. Um. I I had a gig before the helicar um, with Volkswagen, and that's sort of how I got to the helicar. So we um, – oh, it's a long story, but the short version is basically we went to Rally Australia. Uh, we met the Volkswagen guys. I was running a Toyota Corolla at the time, um, but the Volkswagen factory team were over there racing and – I love their car. They had at the time they had the best car in what was called Formula Two, so which was a two-wheel drive um, car, but it was fully modified, so it had everything, and it was the same category that we were racing in with the Toyota, but the Volkswagen was by far the better car. Anyway, I'd heard rumours that everybody had been trying to get Volkswagen a sponsorship and all that sort of stuff, and they were just hitting walls and um, going going nowhere. So anyway, I was at Rally Australia running my Toyota Corolla. Um, I ended up, I broke it. 
I can't remember exactly what I did, but anyway, it was a long time ago. I broke it anyway, so I was I was out of the race itself, but I'd done pretty well until that point, and um, I wandered over to the Volkswagen camp on the Sunday afternoon and was just looking at the car. The team manager came out. I didn't realise he was the team manager at the time, and he goes, oh, yeah, what do you think? And I'm like, mate, I love your car. It's fantastic. I said, I'd love to race one. And he goes, well, what's your name? And I said, oh, Simon Evans, I'm pleased to meet you. What's your name? And he's, he said, oh, Jürgen Bertel. And I'm like, oh, yeah, great. And he goes, I'm the manager of Volkswagen Motorsport in Germany. And I said, oh, right, nice to meet you. And I said, I was running a Toyota Corolla. He goes, yes, I know. He goes, I was watching your taste times. He goes, your taste, taste times are pretty good because um, the car isn't that good. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. I think that's a compliment. And um, he goes, if you're serious about wanting a Volkswagen, come to Germany. Talk to me. And uh, so he gave me his card. So I went home and after the rally and I thought, you know what, I'm going to send this guy an email and see what happens. And so we sent him an email and away we went. And sure enough, I got an invitation to come to Germany. Like Basically, don't be shot, get over here. And so I went over there and we had a chat. We did a presentation. Next thing I come home with two Volkswagens, <laughs> full factory cars, and uh, we're doing, we've got an Asia Pacific program, and um, we're doing the Australian Rally Championship, and yeah, it just opened doors for me, and I'll never forget it. Um, he was a big fan of what I was doing, and then anyway, so the next season, we're in the Volkswagen, uh, we get to Rally Australia again, we're, we're winning the Australian Championship for two wheel drives. Um, and so we get to the WRC event in the two wheel drive category, which is like the feeder category for uh, yeah, WRC, so for the yep. best drive in the world. And um, we go testing. So it's against Renault, it's against Skoda. Um, I'm just trying to think of the manufacturers that were there. Uh, there, was, there was a couple of others as well off the top of my head but in the day i had a five-year-old car basically against the brand new volkswagen and the new renault and the skoda and the, um, the mg um, all factory teams running in the wrc and i topped the time sheets in my customer car yep on the on the test stage so anyway we uh we go back to our accommodation next thing my phone's ringing it's, it's jürgen and he's like, ah, oh, Simon. He goes, hey, we need your car. And I'm like, oh, you know, worries. What's going on? And he goes, well, we're very impressed with the stage times you did. And I said, well, no wonder. I, I flogged everyone. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he goes, yeah. He goes, so we're going to upgrade it from customer spec to factory spec. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. So anyway, they they come. So a couple of German boys come up and they grab my car. And they they disappear. Anyway, it rocks up the next morning, and it's, apparently it's got another hundred horsepower and you know, wow. all good bits on it. Um, so we've basically got a full full factory spec Volkswagen that's a couple of years old. And uh, we go to the first stage at Langley Park. I mean, do you guys remember Langley Park there at Perth? Yes, um, I know of it. Yep. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a stage where you run side by side. Yes. And, um, yeah, and we take on the world, you know. Well, oh, did we take on the world? So... <laughs> I took off in this car. It was the fastest car I've ever driven at this point in my, in my career. Uh, it took off. Um, so I haven't driven the car before. Uh, they'd done this. So we've got onto the stage. 
I'm flat out. I'm just pulling gears, and this thing's amazing. Anyway, we get through the first corner. I'm up against the factory Renault, and um, we get to the first corner. We, we nail it. We're, we're, we're in the lead by, I don't know, 10, 15 metres. Turn to the next corner way too fast. Run off the road, roll over, um, end up stuck on our side. <laughs> Made an absolute dick of myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sitting on my side and I'm just telling the, the officials, just push us over, push us over, keep going. Anyway, the Renault went on to win the stage, obviously. Um, they finally pushed me over and I took off like a bat out of hell, right? So, um, yeah, they like to make sure that the driver and co-driver are okay and all this stuff. I didn't have time for that shit, you know. We were, we were, the stopwatch was running and we were going. And so, yeah, as soon as the wheels hit the ground, I was full tilt. And uh, took off, finished the rest of the stage. Anyway, had nothing to say about it. Was pretty pissed off. Get to the end, and um, we go to the service park, and we're, we're putting a new windscreen in the car and that because we you know, we did a little bit of damage. Mm. And the the boss from Volkswagen Motorsport comes over and he goes, oh, "It's not a good start." And I'm like, "No, nah, it's not a good start. We're now in last position." And he goes, "But it was a very good recovery." And I'm like, oh, thanks. I said, I, I was pissed off and I just did what I could. And he goes, oh, let's see what happens tomorrow. Anyway, so this is Thursday night, Rally Australia. So we go out on Friday morning. We've got 140 Ks competitive. And uh, I take off it. And thank God I didn't make any mistakes. Uh, adapted to the car pretty quick. And uh, we had a great day. We went from 82nd outright to 12th. In the, in the World Rally Championship. And we were actually in the fight. I think we were fourth or fifth in our category. Um, so we've been fastest car all day, which was a big, big boost. Yes. And, um, yeah, anyway, we got to the end of the, of the Friday. And pretty happy with how we're going and stuff like that. And anyway, the big boss comes over and he's like, he puts me in his arms and he's like, Simon, he goes... The number one man. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great, Jürgen. I said, I'm, I'm glad that you're happy with me. And he goes, you are the biggest improver from 82nd to 12th. He goes, nobody, <laughs> nobody does this. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, welcome to Australia, mate. I do this shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering, Simon, so in those periods, did you have to pass cars to do that? Like yeah, on track? Yeah, absolutely. So Rally Australia was one of those real tough events. Like, uh, so every stage uh, in off-road racing, it's not a big stage, but in rallying, it was a big stage. So every stage was a minimum of 25, 30 Ks. Um, but you're driving at full tilt. And like the way I look at off-road racing now, it, it, compared to rallying, you're driving at about 60% in off-road racing to what you do in rallying. So... Because the problem is in off-road racing, the, the tracks are so rough. If you drive any harder, you just tear wheels off. And in rallying, you're on a perfectly groomed gravel road and it rewards commitment. Right. Um, yeah. So if I committed in off-road racing, you would see me drinking beers by 11 o'clock every morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, it's it's definitely been a, a learning curve for me. And uh, look, to be honest with my physique, um, 
off-road racing suits me right now. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm happy driving the level and driving it. I, I look, I enjoy it, and it's a challenge. And I say the same to my kids. You know, like you can drive harder. We all know that. But you know, at the end of the day, the challenge here is to get the car to the finish. Yes. Yep. In a good position is the ultimate goal. So um, that's that's the thing I love about off road racing is, uh, you know, and I do say it to my kids, all of us could drive faster. Every competitor could drive faster, but the problem is the track won't allow it because all you'll do is destroy your car. And so, you know, everybody's driving smart. So the guys that are winning, they're the smartest drivers out there. Um, and you just got to you got to be smarter. As simple as yeah. that. And that's one thing I love about off road. Um, whereas rallying is balls to the wall. Uh, at the end of the day, you need to be the fastest driver who's willing to commit and so it's a bit different um and i'm sure i could have this argument with a few of the off-road boys because i know the top guys are really committing yes um but at the end of the day i reckon i could stand strong in this argument and go i know you're really committing but i know you've got more in you but if you drive any harder you're just going to break your car yeah yeah so it's all about balance and Yeah, and, and off-road really shows that. Um, and I, I, in my career right now, I love that side of it. Like, I love yep. how hard it is to be at the top um, because it's hard work. And in St George, I got, a, I got fourth overall in side-by-sides and we worked hard to get that, you know, like, and I really – I'm proud of it and I, and, um, I appreciate the result. Um, for us, Poon Carey wasn't such a good result. We ended up blowing a motor, but our pace was really good. I was happy, and um, yeah, look, the way I looked at it, the event was coming to me. Um, but at the end of the day, the engine let us down, so yep. there's nothing we can do about that. That's just shit happens. Um, oh, yep. that's off road racing, yeah, exactly. It's off road racing, and we it all happens. know, and it, but it hurts, it hurts your soul as a driver, <laughs> it does. But because there's nothing you can do about it, and I would love it. I would have been happier if I just crashed and rolled and tore the wheel <laughs> off it. You know, yeah, because I know I can. I know I can fix that. But I don't do the engines, um, so I can't fix that. Yeah, so where I'm at. So yeah, but no. so one of the things one of the things you were talking about was the um, the strategy and off road racing about you know maintaining your car and everything like that, and rally was flat out balls to the wall but was there was there a little bit of strategy or or mind games in rallying um you know about not wanting to be the first car out and someone else sweep like was there like a, a an optimum position to start or or was there a you know Absolutely. there still was some strategy even though it was flat out balls to the wall the fastest car there obviously was still some strategy and and jockeying for position in that race uh in in rally racing definitely but your pride always gets in the way. So you want to be car one on the road, but even though it's not the best position yep. um, because it's bragging rights. It's, uh, I don't know, it's the alpha male syndrome. Yes. Um, you want to be the fastest in that, even though it doesn't reward position. So position on the road for rallying, because if you're driving sweep, uh, or if you're driving clean roads and you've got to sweep the road, it's a massive 
massive um, hindrance and it slows you down because you're moving more gravel than everybody else. Um, so it was a real problem in events like South Australia um, where they didn't repeat stages. So when you had repeat stages, it was fine. You didn't worry about it because you got to repeat them. And when you repeated them, that's when you got your time back. But um, in South Australia, it was all um, council roads, shire roads, and they um, they only let it, they only allow you to do them once. So you're just sweeping the whole time, and it was an yep. absolute pain in the ass when your car won on the road. Which, for my career, once Possum died, I was car one on the road yep. for seven years. And it was a bit of a hindrance. Um, but what I learned was while everybody, so anyone from car five onwards had a massive advantage, um, what I learned was I needed to set my car up uh, basically with a full wet setup. So we had, I'd groove the tyres, we'd open them up here, all the grooves. I'd run the car soft. Um you know, like sway bars as soft as you can, shocks as soft as you can um, to compensate for the fact that you're sweeping roads because you've got yep. probably, I don't know, 50% of the grip, I'm just taking a guess, yep. of the guys who are running fifth and sixth on the road who are driving on a sweat road and it was like tarmac. And so you, you just had to play the game. That was the game. So um, we dealt with it and you didn't whinge about it, you just did it. Uh, I, to be honest, I loved it. The yep. more loose the car was, the better I drove. Uh, I could back it into a corner from 100 metres away and I would have a smile on my face. I was happy. Yep, uh, yep. So, yeah, like I really enjoyed that side of it. I enjoyed the challenge of it. And, yep. um, yeah, I'm just like to this day, I still love rallying. Yeah, I love motorsport full stuff. I love circuit racing. I love speedway. I love I appreciate what everybody does in their cars when they do it because I've done it. And um I'm a big fan of NASCAR, uh, because it's all tactics. And yep. I appreciate that, you know. I I really do enjoy watching the tactics of it and seeing how it folds and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just a motorsport nerd. I love all motorsport, and yep. uh, yeah, I, I love the Supercross. I, I love the motocross. I, I watch everything I can. If, if it comes up in front of me, I'll watch it. Yeah, that's. Yeah, awesome. we I, like I, that. I, I got to admit. Yeah, I. I was saying my favorite. If I could ride a bike like Toby Price, I would sell oh. that Jimco in a minute, and be, that's what I'd be doing. But I, I'm not wired for it. But how good are the I'm going to represent here for the for the good old Queenslanders and, and stick one into all the other states. How about those uh the Lawrence boys, the two mm. brothers, Hunter and Jet, over in America, oh. doing an awesome job. They're amazing, and the Americans are so bloody tough, you know. Like to so to break into that market in 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 the first place is an amazing effort. Let alone do what they're doing. Um, now nah, those boys, hats off to them. Like they're doing yep. a fantastic. Job. So yeah, no. Nah. Yep. Big fan, uh, as I of all motorsports, so I'm, I'm yeah, watching. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. No, that's brilliant. Hey, Simon, we were catching up, uh, obviously, again with the side by side when we're doing the short course championship style stuff. But run us through because you told me a fantastic story about some wild crashes and an Australian championship on the line. 
tell us that story, mate, because I, I was sharing it with Josh a little bit before. I'm sure I stuffed it up, but our audience would love to hear that story. I'm sure of it. Okay, so that was um, that was my first year. So there's a bit of a backstory to that. So when I was in the helicopter, um, I figured if I keep driving as hard as possible and getting the results I was getting, which was, you know, we were fighting for outright wins, we were always on the podium, um, surely at, that, at one point I'm pissing off the manufacturers enough where they'd have to ring me up and offer me a drive to come drive for them because I was knocking them off the podium. So, um, and my plan worked. Uh, I had offers from obviously uh, Toyota, which I ended up taking up, and Mitsubishi to come and drive for them. Um, both of them were fantastic offers, uh, but I chose Toyota because I was lucky at the time. You know, rallying was at its peak. Um, uh, there was just, there was so many factors, but you know, Toyota was a massive company. They were on the way up. Um, Whereas Mitsubishi had been on the top and I felt that they were probably on the way down and I just wanted to be with the winning team, you know, like, what do you do? Um, there was no room in Subaru. I would have, to be honest, I would have loved to drive for Subaru, but there was no room there between Cody Crocker and Possum Bourne and Dean Herridge. You know, they had a really good bank of drivers. Um, so, yeah, I really didn't have an option other than you know, selecting Toyota or Mitsubishi, which were both fantastic choices, don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, I probably could have won the championships uh, in both. Well, I think I ended up doing that. So um, I chose Toyota and, uh, yeah, first year with Toyota, they, we, um, we went from running the sixth and the seventh, I think, was Batey's um, best result was sixth. And that so the first round, I won. Um, so I took the team from sixth to first and we were racing against the likes of Chris Atkinson. And um, Chris actually, to be honest, Chris actually won the event, but they found his car to be illegal. Um, oh. And so they gave me the win. I was second. Um, they gave me the win and at scrutineering. So probably not the... For me as a driver, it's not the way you want to win. Um, Chris mm. did a really good job. Whether his car was illegal or not, he still drove fantastic and he deserved the win. Um, that's the way I see it and the way I feel about it. But they gave it to us because um, apparently our car was legal, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> so we took the win and... Um, it was good for Toyota, obviously, it boosted everybody. I was going to say, first event with the team, take a, a win, which I've never had in the Group N prototype car. Um, and that set us up for the championship. So then, yeah, the next round, I think we came third and we were in the fight. We were leading the championship. Uh, anyway, we got to Tassie, the Tasmanian round. I was, uh, I was leading the championship at the time. Uh, and we were charging along as this this one stage. Tasmania is a tough event because it's really um, it's a tricky event. It's very fast, and what happens is there was a, a multiple use stage. So there was a stage where there was actually two stages off it. So we started at the same point, and if you turned left, you did one stage. If you turned right, you did the next stage. So this part of the road was used at least six times to the point 
when I got to it. And, um, oh, at the point of my accident. So what happens, the road changed so much because they've had, you know, 100 cars go over it at least three or four times before um, I repeated the stage. And so the stage, and it was pissing down rain at the time, and um, the stage went from this beautiful blue metal gravel with heaps of grit to clay. Yep. And yep. <laughs> I was flat in top year and, you know, we'd done it a couple of times and you could get around it. It was really simple, you know, but you learn, you learn the road. And anyway, it wasn't so grippy uh, in yeah. the rain with just clay on the road when all the gravel was gone. And so we used a lot more road than I planned on and then we plowed into a stump at 140k an hour and produced some ridiculous amount of G's on the on the Motec uh, or something around 45 G's or something like that. Wow. Anyway, I hit this stump and it came in my door um, underneath the, the intrusion bars and smashed into me and broke my leg and everything like that. Anyway, we bounced back up onto the road. We were quite lucky. And then when we land on the road, um, the car was toast. I was toast. Um, I knocked Susie out, my co-driver. Uh, she hit my elbow because I was. I turned into the corner like this, and as you can see, my left elbow is up. And of course, when I hit the stump, what did she hit? Mm -hmm. So my elbow went through her helmet and knocked her out. Whoa. Yeah. And that's a uh, big crash. It was a big crash. Mm. And Chris Atkinson had already hit the same stump. He was the car in front of me, but he just got a little bit further around the corner than I did and um, clipped, the <laughs> clipped the stump with the back quarter panel and um, tore all the rear suspension out of his car. So he was 100 metres up the road, but I hit it right on my door. And um, Anyway, he came running over and he thought I was dead. Mm -hmm. was big hit. And he stuck his head in the window and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, mate. Like, I'm hurting. I'm hurting bad. I'll never forget it. Um, it felt like somebody was standing over you with a, the biggest sledgehammer you've ever seen and swinging it at your hip. That's what it felt like, uh, full swing. Well, we're a couple of leckies, so we don't use big hammers. Like you know, we've only got the we've only got the little ones. So we'll have to yeah. take your word for it. It's a it's a bloody big sledgehammer, <laughs> and it, yeah, and it, it's a full swing, and it hits you hit. And I tell you what, it hurts. And yep. uh, yeah, and that's what happened to me. Anyway, the ARC really stepped it up, and all they they had all year, and their their safety side of things was a one, like. Within 10 minutes, I had a doctor on the scene, uh, mm -hmm. aircraft to get me to uh, the hospital and all that sort of stuff. Like, I can't complain there. And, yeah, I got to the hospital and the first three doctors wanted to cut my leg off because the damage was so bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. And thank God I was conscious uh, because I just told them to get stuffed, not so politely. Mm -hmm. And, uh, anyway, we found that it was a young doctor there that Toyota got onto. Um, one of the bosses of Toyota was there. He, they, they just, they were fantastic. They were just like, just get the best surgeons you've got. I don't give a shit where they're coming from. Let's get them here. Let's, let's sort this out. Anyway, there was a really good young surgeon in uh, Hobart, 
And uh, he came and he looked at me leg and he's just like, oh, that's pretty nasty. And he goes, but I can fix that. And I just said, Matt, you got the job. What a <laughs> guy. Let's do it. Um, and he did. And he put a, a nice titanium rod down my femur and just connected up all the, the broken bits. Um, played a bit of Meccano, I guess. I don't know how you put it. Uh, put a couple of screws into my hip, got my leg connected to my hip again, and away we went. And uh, so five weeks later, we were racing in um, South Australia, and oh. everybody said I'd never be there. Um, even my own team, they just like, mate, just, you know, there was no pressure. To be honest, there was no pressure from Toyota. Everyone was fine. Mm. Um, but it was it was the pressure I put on myself. And uh, I was leading the championship to that event. And so I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I had a big fight to go. And uh, and I did. Uh, I made the next event. And, you know, I, can, I can say it bloody hurt. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the, the scrutiny has made, made me carry crutches in the car um, and all that sort of stuff because I struggled to walk on my leg. But I could I could get myself out of that car in that time frame because I think Cairns had a rule back then that you had to get out within 30 seconds of a, an accident, and I could do that. Um, I didn't I didn't need the crutches to get out in that quick that quicker time. So um, now I proved myself in that area, and um, yeah. Uh, Simon, that's that's pretty crazy. From essentially, you know, they're going to cut your leg off to racing five weeks later. They wouldn't have thought you were going to walk, let alone you know be racing a race car and keeping your championship hopes alive. <laughs> uh, am I on the right track? You didn't actually win that year, did you? Unfortunately, or did, no. you did have a good year? No, I come second. So yeah, and all because of that bloody crash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, look, um, no, you're right. Uh, the doctor said I'd never walk again normally. Um, some say I still don't walk normal, but <laughs> I'm happy with how I walk. But, and look, it does get noticed. Actually, to be honest, it was noticed in Pink Area as well. Um, people just like, oh, why are you limping? I'm like, eh, long story. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I've got a good story to tell you about why why I have a limp. So when I don't you were racing... So when you raced that round, um, the, the final round or, or the next round five weeks later, were you in a cast? Uh, no. I oh, refused. okay. Yeah. You refused a cast? Yeah. Yeah, because if I had a cast on, they wouldn't let me in the car. Gotcha. So, yeah. but Simon, the other side of that is that, am I also in the right, now that you've told me that you refused a cast, didn't you also refuse painkillers or there was some story about that as well? No. Dead on, yeah, absolutely. Because if I took painkillers, I had no idea what damage I was doing. So I refused painkillers as well. And um, I kind of regret that a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was in hospital, I was in massive pain, but I would not admit it. And I'm, yeah, I'm a stubborn prick. Um, I couldn't sleep at nights and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, at least I knew what the pain was and I knew what the pain threshold needed to be. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't I do not do drugs. I don't like drugs. I don't like Panadol. I don't do Nurofen. I don't do any of that sort of stuff um, because it hides what's really going on. And I feel that you need to know what's going on so you can judge whether or not you can cope with it. Nope, that makes a lot of sense. No, I just remember the story and went, 
it was amazing. So now that I understand you had no cast and no painkillers and you essentially forced yourself to be ready for that five weeks, that's that's an amazing story. Well, it was my life as well. So, you know, yeah. I didn't different and, um, you know, it was my career. My career was on the line. There was, there was a lot, there was a lot involved in, yeah, you know, people go, oh, that's amazing and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, is it? Like, because I reckon most people would have done the same as I would have. Yeah, I'd like to think that I could, but I'm not sure, mate. <laughs> I'm very impressed. I'm telling you that that's a good effort. Hey, well, so going on from the rally side of things, you then progressed because then you ended up involved with Polaris. Tell us that story. Like, because I met you racing the side-by-side championship. So back in those days, prior to what's going on now with the side-by-sides where you're racing at a Australian round, the 80-kilometer one, we all went racing and we we were on a motocross track, six and eight cars at a time. It was a good time back in those days, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah, that was wild, wasn't it? Um <laughs> Look, to be honest, to this day, I think I still think the the side by side championship really suited my personality um, uh, and and probably driving style. Um, what we're doing right now is, as like I think I said earlier, um, I'm I'm still learning and I'm enjoying it. Uh, I love the challenge of it, but the short course championship on motocross tracks where we're jumping these things as far as we can, we're trying to clear every set of doubles, we're trying to clear tabletops, step-ups, all that sort of stuff. Uh, mate, if you told me tomorrow, hey, Evo, we're going side-by-side racing and we're doing it on motocross tracks, mate, I'm in. Like, I miss I miss that. It was so good, so much fun. Um, it was a little bit wild. It was a little bit crazy. Well, actually, it was a lot crazy. Uh, some of the stuff that we do, uh, you don't even think about it, the damage we used to do. Um, the repairs in between races, like it was wild. It was, you just, you didn't have a minute to breathe. There was always something to do. And <laughs> the mechanics were like, to be honest, if you had the best mechanics in the world, there's every chance you were going to win um, because the mechanics made your race. Uh, you do the best you can as a driver trying to stay out of trouble, trying to get the best line, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it in side by side racing on motocross tracks, it was inevitable that you were going to do damage. Mm. Um, so you just needed re- a really good team behind you to um, to be able to make things happen and get the results that we got. Um, mm. So yeah, I couldn't have done anything without my my team. Like they were fantastic. But like, the boys that I had coming to events were fearless. They just attacked everything with gusto. And, uh, you know, like, I miss those those days because, yeah, like if they came racing with me now, they'd look at me and go, Evo, this is boring. <laughs> yeah, because we go and do 80K laps and we generally don't break anything and we just look after the car and, you know, worst case scenario, we put a bit of oil in it and a little bit of fuel and that's the way we, and away we go again. So, yeah, no, we, um, yeah, we had a good time. But that, those were wild days and that was pioneering and oh. new era of the sport so um i I was i'm very proud i'm still i'm still very proud to be part of it and um yeah they were they were good times and i tell you what to be successful in that era you really needed big balls oh absolutely (laughs) because it was nothing to have 
three wheels, win a race, and then they'd put new arms on it for the for the next race. Hey, it was it was madness. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for but sure. It was so good. I definitely uh, finished a fair few races with not all the wheels on it, and uh, <laughs> I don't think I won any races with three wheels. But uh, we definitely finished a lot of races with three wheels, and sometimes even two. Yep. <laughs> It was amazing, some of those tracks. And then even you'd see at the start people working up to the whoops and then all of a sudden the likes of you or Toby or someone, you and McClue was quite competitive as well, really uh, great guy. Yeah, you and the, run, the unsung hero, you and was, he was, uh, he was the quiet achiever. He and really he, was. Yeah, you was very good at uh, making you underestimate him. Mm. And then, so he always put the groundwork in and he was very serious about his racing um, mm. and he, wanted to race at the top so but when you talk to him he's just like oh no i'm just you know just enjoying it and having a good time and then you know don't really care where i finish that's absolute bullshit yeah, yeah. just winning the championship <laughs> he was there to win <laughs> absolutely no he was a great guy great competitor still is, but that, still is. <laughs> absolutely absolutely it hasn't gone anywhere no, no, but what's interesting, so then um, leading on to that, my next question for you is from the rally to the early side-by-side -side to the Australian, and I, and I know you've sort of alluded to this, how do you find the changes, Simon? Oh, well, the changes are inevitable. Um, yeah, so going from rallying to side-by-side, side-by-side racing was more, so I, I, I was lucky enough I did, so obviously rallying I did from when I was 18, to, I don't know, what, 36, 37, probably, no, long, older, 40. I did it for 30 years. There you go. So that was wow. ever that. 46. Jeez, I'm old. Wow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we did rallying for a long time and, and you yeah, know, it really came to us. It was even from day dot, um, I, I was a bit of a natural, like it just, it, I didn't, I won't say it's easy, but it came to me and, it's not easy and it was a lot of hard work but i loved it and we really enjoyed it and i had a good good team of guys around me so back in the hell of days you know um i think we only had one mechanic in the team the rest of us were like i was a concreter there was auto electricians there was electricians there was you know like uh, there's only one mechanic in the whole team and we were taking on possum born and neil bates and cody crocker and and, that, and fighting for championship win, or not for championship, for outright wins in yes. the series. And we were just a bunch of tradies working on the side and doing it all after hours. And we're very proud of what we could achieve. Um, they were good times, they were good days. And uh, but then we moved into side by side racing. And so I got into side by side racing, saw that through my brother Tom, he he took it up as soon as uh, that Polaris RZR series started and he bought one of the first cars uh, and they went racing. And so I jumped on it then and I helped Tom. We went to a motocross track before we'd even done a race and I sat in the passenger seat with him and taught him how to jump because I'd, I'd done a bit of racing on quad bikes uh, in the past just to keep my fitness up so I could go rallying. Um, but my son Jackson was... He was right into the quad bikes. He loved it. Um, and I think half the reason he loved it so much is because uh, he was. there was a lot of pressure on him when we went rallying, when he d decided to do a rally. There was a lot of pressure on him from everybody else. They all expected him to perform. And 
um, to be something that, yeah, it, it was up to him. Like he could choose to be that or he could do whatever he wanted. But there was a lot of pressure um, just because he was carrying my name and my son. Yep. Uh, so I always said to him, mate, you do what you want. Like um, I'll support you in anything you want to do. You don't have to go rallying. You don't have to do anything that I've done. I've done that to my own choice. If you want to do anything different, I'll support it. And so he chose quad bike racing. He went out because we we used to do autocross and stuff like that. And he found there was a lot of pressure um, when he yep. was in a um, to perform, and he, he didn't enjoy it. And that was fair enough. I get that. And you know, it's it's kind of hard for me. I wanted him to be really successful at driving cars, um, but he he just didn't want to do it at the time. He was only sixteen. And he just found the pressure was a bit much. And he just said, Dad, I want to go racing quad bikes. And I said, mate, do whatever you want. And, was, and we did it. We did it the best that we could afford. Um, and he was really good at it. And we had a great time. And then I ended up, you know, I ended up buying a quad for myself and just doing it for fitness. And then next thing I'm competing and loving it. And, yeah, really enjoying it. Um, I was in, the, I think, the over-40s category, the veterans. <laughs> yep. Yep. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't winning. Like I was getting no, they're fast. Really, yeah, I was, getting, I was getting flogged by some really good guys, but I'm really enjoying it, and um, that actually helped me so much when I, I I got an invitation to come and drive the Polaris. Well, actually, so the real story is what happened there was Dave Brown. Um, I was helping Tom up at Newcastle. And we were just, I was just running the team, just being the team manager and doing that stuff. And uh, David Brown was debuting the new Yamaha. Yes. At the time. Yeah. And it was jumping terrible. And Dave was actually giving it a fair crack. And it was just horrific watching watching this thing fly over jumps. And so mm. I thought, oh, put in my two bobs worth. I know Dave pretty well. So I went over to Dave and I just said, mate, you you need help because that thing's horrible on the track. And he's like, mate, I'm open. What, what are you What are you suggesting? Because he goes, oh, I've got nothing. And uh, so we suggested a few things and I helped him with a bit of development to try to get the thing to fly good. Um, anyway, we made, a, we made a slight improvement. I won't say we fixed it. We made a slight yeah. And um, uh, then... Next thing, so we helped him through the whole event, all that sort of stuff. And then we went to the pub and had a good time. And then next thing, he comes up to me and he goes, "Listen, I'm going to Europe for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to miss the next round. Do you want to drive me Yamaha?" And he goes, "Entry fees paid. Just turn up." And I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm keen. No worries." So we rocked up to Canberra uh, for my first round. I think of uh, Ivan uh, Scott was his first round too in a Yamaha. Yeah. Weapon, yeah, yes, he is a weapon. He is nuts. Yeah. Anyway, so we they raced back then. They raced the Yamahas in against the uh, the turbo Polaris. Mm. So she was in the outright category. And I'll be staffed. I um, well, we had a pretty good weekend, and I put the thing on the podium. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was a better result than what Dave ever got. And. <laughs> 
Hey, sorry, just Simon, just for two secs. So for our listeners, the the Dave you talk about, Dave Brown and Josh, I'm not sure if you're aware of that. That is Brown Davis. So they do roll cages, fuel tanks, all sorts uh, of yes. things. Yep. All sorts. So they're the Brown Davis guys, and they were very big early on. And you can still hey. buy cages and all sorts of modifications for your side-by-sides. Now. Yeah. Yes, yes. They do all sorts of vehicle modifications. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I got to drive Dave's car and I put the thing on the podium and then um, after the podium presentation, um, Simon Gloin from Polaris comes up and he goes, you need to drive the Polaris. And I said, mate, I'm open to it. I'm not contracted to anybody. So, <laughs> yes. Um, and so I gave him a number and next, I think the Monday morning he was ringing me and he's just like, right, yeah, so um, what's it going to take to get you to drive in our team to next next event? And I said, not much. Just uh, say, you know, you're Tell welcome. Where to come. To be. I'll be there. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. I didn't even need a please. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we went to Albury, and next thing I saw, um, I was driving for Polaris because um, they were looking for a driver at the time because Matty Mingo just had his big crash there in um, the trucks. Yes. Um, Over so- in America. Yeah, through somebody's um, bad luck, I, I ended up picking up a bit of a drive. So um, that's motorsport, and yeah, you know, like I say, Maddie, Maddie's come through, which is real good. So um, make me feel better. But uh, yeah, end up getting a, a gig with Polaris in the next round, and um, and be stuffed. I uh, I went out and I won the round outright. First drive in a Polaris. <laughs> yes, oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so uh, that pretty much tied me in with Polaris for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, it's been it's been a fantastic uh, adventure, and yeah, like I've never looked back. Um, we've just had a great relationship um, from the get go, really. Uh, and uh, yeah, I know I'm 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 polaris are very loyal i'm very loyal and i can't see anything changing for a long time like we're just i'm having a ball with the product um yeah like it's just we're just going in leaps and bounds we're going forward um we never look back and um yeah it's just been so much fun like over the years like i've I've had some great experiences with them and Mm. uh yeah i i just can't complain and they've been fantastic supporters all along uh, especially once I introduced my, my kids into the team, um, they they took that with open arms and yeah, Polaris have just been fantastic and I've been pushing as hard as I can to share the love um, amongst all the Polaris competitors and uh, yeah, we just we do as much as we can for everybody who's racing and because uh, I you know, I feel pretty lucky to be where I am in the sport. And I, and I appreciate where I am. So yeah, we just try to help as many people as we can. Yep. And um, and hopefully uh, we can get the product you know across the line and beat those bloody canines. I say, oh god. Well, well, I tell you what, Polaris are definitely stepping up the game over in in America. Was it last week or two weeks ago? They had a couple of the new the new Polaris is actually. Prologue and finish in the in in the top ten, like beating trophy trucks and stuff like that as well. And they also um, at the King of the Hammers very successfully yeah. raced against the class ten cars as well. So those those new Polaris are they a two liter with a five speed box that uh, 
that those new Polaris's look like they are weapons. They are weapons. They're, they're a two-liter with a, a CVT transmission, actually. Yep. Uh, they're an amazing engine, uh, extremely, extremely strong and reliable because, yeah, Mitch Guthrie, at King of the Hammers there, he came second in the um, the off-road race, basically. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, and then he, I think he backed it up again. Only at the um, at the last race there, it was. Is it, is it still I think it's Silver State three hundred. Silver yeah. State. He comes second outright. Outright, that, yes. The only thing that beat him was yep. a trophy. Yep. Um, which is yeah, it's fantastic. That's that's great for the product, and yeah, it's Mitch Guthrie too. So yeah, he adds a, a massive factor to it. That guy is amazing. Um. You know he's very committed, and he's in what is he's one part of the Red Bull race team. He's done Dakar. He's, mm. you know, he's a serious driver. So, yeah, uh, you know, kudos to him. Uh, yeah, you know, I respect everything he does. But yeah, look, I can't wait to get my hands on one of these things. Um, we've yes. been lucky. We've been lucky enough to drive one. Um, we've got a. We've had a um, pre-production car here in Australia, um, and we did a launch with it. And we're lucky enough to have it on our test track and. And drive it, and the car is amazing. Mm. Uh, it's it's the next level side by side. Uh, so, yeah, I just yeah, rather than try to sell it here and tell you how good it is, I just want to get one and race mm. it. Show you how good it is. It the, yeah, I don't have to speak about it. Um, it will do all the talking for us. Uh, so yeah. you think it's a full game changer? Absolutely, it's it's a contender if you know what I mean. Like yes. um, it'll just it'll step it up uh, over what we're already doing right now. It's going to step it up tenfold. Yep. So yeah, I if if you don't see half those Can-Am boys out there now switching over to the Polaris, I'd be shocked. There you go. Cool. Wow. Yeah, I like this it. Is, I like it. Yeah, this is the car to have and. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's not getting supported by Canam, I guarantee they'll switch over because these things are a massive advantage. So that's interesting, Simon, because that uh, leads me to another question that I did want to get to you. Because what I said, and I, we talk about this all the time off camera, don't we, Josh? Like ten years ago, um, side by sides were a nine hundred XP, and I mean that was a pretty fun farm agricultural bit of gear, but. Every two years with these manufacturers, like probably what was it about 16 or 17 when the X3 came out? Realistically, that was the car to cab. And then two years later, Polaris has stepped it up, then Canam stepped like there's always a manufacturer. And what blows me away is if you drove a 900 from 10 years ago and what a current car is, like they are, it's not even close. Like in off road racing, a trophy truck, like you know, a 10 year old trophy truck is still competitive. A ten-year-old side by side, you know, you're you're a backmarker. I'm really sorry if that offends anyone, but like a new car, these new the the game is constantly changing with side by sides, and that's what amazes me about them is that it's just such a growing technology, a sport like, and obviously you see this new. Sorry, mate, run us through the model. It's an S or something like that. What's the new Polaris? Uh, the new Polaris is called a Pro R. Um, Pro R. It's a liter engine, still CVT transmission. But it's 74 inches wide. It's got, you know, 27 inches of travel. It's ridiculously strong. Um, you know, uh, 
I think they compare them to trophy trucks. Like the just the, the wheel bearing assembly is what you'd run on your trophy truck and things like that. Like it's just yeah. it's a serious contender, and you could just grab a standard one from the dealership, put a race cage on it, a set of seats, and go racing, and it would last you the whole season. Like this yeah. is reliable and fast. Um, yeah, you know it's. It's starting to get into the realm of where motorbikes were, you know, the Honda Yamaha whole scenario where, you know, you just you bought the latest Yamaha or Honda and you just literally jumped on and raced it. Um, yep. Where the Polaris Can-Am scenario is going now. So um, you don't need all the chrome bits. You don't need to change the clutching. You don't need to do anything now. You just grab a car. Put the cage on it so you can go to racing and a set of harnesses and a set of seats and away you go. And that's where it's at. That'll be when I get my car, that's exactly what it'll be. Um, mm. There'll be no tunes in it, there'll be nothing like that because these things are fast out of the box. They're 225 horsepower standard. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, they only weigh, I think, 1100 kilos. So, and they're four wheel drive normally aspirated so they don't have any of the heat of the turbocharger or anything like that like these things yes. are going to perform um so our we had a four-seater here uh, pre-production view and we had four blokes it's felt blokes just like me yes. um, <laughs> in the, and we did my track as quick as my race car does it with just me in it wow yeah and to me that's a massive massive improvement there's no way my race car could do it with four of me in it. Yes. So, um, and they're going to come in a two-seater and a four-seater model, like long and short? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and the two-seaters are quite long. So I'll, you'll see Jackson, Jackson and I will be running two-seaters. Um, that's what, we, what, what we've ordered, and that's what everybody's running in the, in the States as well. Yes. So, um, look, the four-seaters are fantastic. And uh, to be honest, the four-seaters will be better at Fink um, than the two seater, but we're looking at a package that's going to do the whole season. So, yes, um, there's events that, yeah, obviously, probably to be honest, there's five events where the two seater is going to be better, and one event that the four seater will be better, and that's going to be Fink. So, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, we'll just take that as it comes, but looking forward to being able to get hold of it, build it, debut it, and uh, yeah, get it out there, everyone, how good the thing is because, uh, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's what I'm about. Absolutely. Well, that also leads us on to so you guys are doing the Australian Championship with us side by sides at the moment. The next round, so you've had two rounds, and you're just saying a seven car lineup going to Fink, which is round three of the Australian Championship. How are you doing it? <laughs> Lack of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a reason why I can't open my eyes right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a big week. Uh, and, yeah, I love it, though. Uh, it's just it's great to be able to share off-road racing with so many people and and to see the love for the sport um, growing. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. We've got some guys switching across from Rally. We've got some guys switching across from Speedway. Um, and they're all coming off road racing because they can see how much fun we're having. So, and and value for money. The, the, the time in the car, like you compare yeah. to the guys at Speedway, they race for 15 minutes maximum, you know, and I just laugh at them when I say well, we race for five and a half hours. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, weekend and they, they look at you a bit, you know, sort of like, really? <laughs> and you race for five and a half hours. And I was like, well, come and race with us, you'll find out. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, you can't knock it, you know, like, and yeah, we're introducing new people to the sport and that's what Side by Side does, you know, that's probably the biggest strength of Side by Side because it's affordable for the majority of people. Yeah, anyone that does motorsport obviously spends a lot of money um and in side by side you just tend to spend less so um i'm in a position where i could probably still be rallying right now but i choose to race with my kids um so i you know i'm funding my son jackson and my daughter eden and then myself and i'm getting to do that and i'm still coming up trumps over rallying like so we're running three cars per event and I reckon it's probably on the same budget. Yeah, we probably three events in off-road racing to one rally for just me. So there you go. The cost, yeah, the cost of rallying is quite high, and you know, and it's legitimate. Like, you need to spend that money to be at the top. But we can run at the top level of side by side with three cars for the same amount for three events. So mm. yeah, doesn't take a businessman yep. to work. Out. A better deal than what we were, what we were doing. So um, yeah, that's just motorsport, and it's just a case of finding your path and, and what you want to do. Um, and that's probably, to be honest, that's one of the factors I really love about side by sides. And I get a lot of comments, uh, especially from my rally mates. Obviously, you know, I had a good time rallying, and I've got a lot of friends. Uh, that still do it, and I, and they go, oh, you know, is it the same? Do you get the same enjoyment out of side by side as what you do at rallying? And I, I go, absolutely. I said, my car accelerates from naught to one hundred and four seconds, mate. I said, how's your rally? Um, like these things are quick, they're enjoyable. Yes. I am not bored yep. at all, <laughs> and I'm fighting to keep the thing on the track because the track ain't smooth, and it's like it doesn't. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's and then you add that factor in of uh, add that factor in of getting to race with your with your son and your daughter as well, and and not just not just you anymore. Like when you cross the finish line, you get to go and cheer them on, or vice versa. If they cross the finish line before you, they get to cheer you on. So yeah, it's it's, yeah. A, it's a whole another level of enjoyment when you get to compete and race with with family, but also like good friends and mates and everything like that. And you can't buy that. Mm. Like, you literally cannot buy it so the fact that we're out doing it you know makes me so happy and and obviously proud because i'm really proud of what my kids are doing and achieving yep uh, in off-road racing so they're, they're learning oh. and yeah they're getting better every round and i've got no i i've got no doubt that jackson and Eden will both be champions in the future so um, and I'll support it as much as I can. And, and to be honest, I don't care if they're going to be champions or not. I just love love seeing what they're doing and learning from it and just getting better. Yep. Yeah. Well, that story about Jackson blows me away because you guys are, are such a competitive family. I mean, he had such a great run. Was it the 2019 Australian Championship side by side or 18 or whatever it was? Uh, 19 because yeah. 18 you won. Yeah. yeah like. Yep. Yeah, I won in eighteen, and he um, he, he he won in nineteen, and uh, he came from nowhere. Uh, yes. And yeah, the last round, he was in the fight, but he was a long shot. You know, like you'd never bet on him. 
Uh, <laughs> it was a long shot to win the title going into the last round, but you know, like it's just it's motorsport. Um, he yep. he performed. He, he did the work, and and that's what I said to him. I said, all you can do is prep the car and do the best you can on the day, and just see if the event comes to you. And and oh my God, it, did it come to him? Like the yeah. last race, everything fell into place. The, the poor guy that was leading the championship, he just got. Uh, I'm going to sound cocky, but he just got sucked in because Jackson and I just took off and we went for it and we had nothing to lose. Uh, and then we sucked in the old James Ship and he tried to chase us and he ended up breaking his car and DNFing, which all That's he had right. to do was finish. Yeah. Yes. He just had to finish and he won the championship. Yes. And uh, that was like the last jump too, wasn't it? He broke on like, it was like yeah. the last lap or? No, it was two laps to go and he hit a oh, jump yeah. and he broke his steering rack and he literally could not drive That's the right. car. Yep. So, uh, like, as a competitor, I felt sorry for him, but as a father, I just went stiff shit, you know, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, went on to win the race. I came second and um, and so Jackson got the championship and I came third in the championship. I think it's going into that event, Jackson was third in the title chase and I was fifth. Yep. Uh, so we ended up picking up a podium for both of us, and yeah, no, it was that was one of my proudest times. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I was blown away at, at seeing the maturity Jackson drove with. He knew exactly what he had to do, and and he did that. And he didn't he didn't focus on anything else. He just focused on what he could do. Um, yeah, and then let the event come to him. So yeah. it was it was lucky, like. If uh, if James Ship hadn't just driven around and finished eighth, he could have won the championship. But to be honest, that's not what James Ship's about. He wants no. to win. Yeah, he wants to win every round and show that he's the true champion. Yep. And uh, and look, to be honest, he deserved it. He he was a very good driver and he is a true champion. But the results prove otherwise. Um, yep. you know, like yeah, it was a. As I said, it was a bit of a shame, but also a blessing. So yeah, I win. Yeah, it's it. You just got to take it as it is. There's no absolutely seasonal madness to it. Like um, absolute respect to James as a driver. He's a brilliant driver, and he deserved better. But you know, at the end of the day, he was beaten by Jackson. Yep. Now that leads us. The other thing is that you guys, because we said about the seven car group going around at the moment, and you guys, you've had some awesome support lately from King Chrome. I mean, it's been a while because that was probably about 2019 or 2018. Did they come on with the championship? Um, 2020 actually. Oh, 2020. Yep. Yeah. So that was. I've been working on that for a long time, and um, yeah, the King Chrome stuff all came through during COVID. Uh, which was amazing. Like I, I was, uh, I was a bit shocked that we actually got it over the line, especially in COVID times. Um, but yeah, we just kept working hard and and trying to provide something that they they wanted, uh, and and something they saw value in. And so yeah, like it was a relationship I've been working on for a little while, and a lot of people told me you couldn't do it. Um, because King Chrome don't get involved in this sort of stuff, but I I just kept pushing, um, and I to be honest, I didn't push too hard. Like it was just at the time, it was good for King Chrome, it was good for us, and it's a relationship sort of made in heaven. And 
yeah, like we're going forward, gangbusters, and uh, you know, King Crown are loving it. We're mm. having a we just started the new uh, YouTube series, and uh, which was sort of it was planned for a little while, but we also wanted to do it right and a little bit different. We didn't want it just to be another racing story in respect that you know, oh yeah, we. You know, we work on the cars, we race and we break them and we do this and we do that and then we got second or first or fourth or fifth or whatever. We wanted to tell the story of the characters. Mm. Uh, and to be honest, this is King Chrome nailed it. Like they yep. they had a plan themselves and what they wanted to achieve out of it. Um, and it was far better than my plan. <laughs> oh, it. It's brilliant, mate. Well, we were talking about it, how so much proud. we enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm so proud of it. Um, you know, the guys that uh, do all the work, the the the, the guys who are taking the, the footage and filming it, they're the same guys who are doing the production and, and doing all the editing and stuff like that. So they, they own a piece of it, uh, if you know what I mean. And so there's yep. a lot of them in the editing. And they're very proud of what they've achieved, um, and they should be because it's it, it's really good. You know, it's different. It, it I think it gets the story across. Um, it definitely shows racing in its true form, uh, and how much work goes on behind the scenes and with the team. And it's not all about the results. Um, it's it's about the team and uh, and how much fun we're having. I'm just watching Eden. Yeah, it's a bit of a jig there. Yes. Um, Classic Eden, that is her through and through. Um, she is like that all the time. That's the funnier part about it. Um, so which is nice of them to catch that and and portray it in the right light. Um, and I, I, I think they nailed it. Um, yeah, I, as I say, I'm very proud of what they've achieved and I'm glad to be part of it. Um, and I can, only, I can honestly say it's only going to get better. Well, I was going to say, Simon, so where can they watch it? And is this going to come out after every round now? Yes. So after every round, we'll be releasing a video, obviously, of the last round. And there'll be, there's also, uh, I think if you follow it there on, on, on King Chrome on YouTube, um, so you go to YouTube, I'm pretty sure it's on Facebook as well, uh, yep. on King Chrome. Basically, if you search King Chrome on um, Facebook and Instagram and, and YouTube, you'll find it. Um, and, yeah, there's prizes. Uh, they've got questions. Uh, I think they, they haven't presented any prize for the last round yet. They they put up a video just saying, um, why did Jackson hit the tree? I'm pretty sure. And there's a, I'm pretty sure there's a King Chrome toolbox or some, there's definitely some tools. Because he's a hell man. Pardon? Because he's a hell man. That's why. <laughs> I'm not going to say why. I know the <laughs> Ah, very good. Very all, good. All you have to do is watch the video. There you um, go. Perfect. And what I like is so. King Chrome Tools. So uh, get on it uh, and have a ball um, because as I, it's entertaining and it's different. It's a, it's a different showcase on motorsport. It's not just your typical race uh, video. It's It shows yes. the characters and it gets you – it's a little bit more like Neighbours, I guess, and it? it gets you attached to the characters. <laughs> actual racing. I love that. So, 
yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm just like, I'm proud of it. And, uh, yeah, look. All I all I had to do was stand on the right side of the camera. I didn't have to do any of the editing or stuff like that. Those guys did a brilliant job, uh, and I'm, I can't wait to see the second round because it, it's going to be entertaining, and the, and they'll they'll back it up with another good prize as well because King Kramer are, are really into this. Perfect. So I guess I'm doing the YouTube thing. Make sure with the King Chrome, go and click through to the links. Not now, wait until the end of the video, but go kick, click through the links and make sure you do the uh, subscribe and like and comment on their page. And do the same with us. If you're watching the Dirt Sport, uh, the Dirt Bags thing, make sure you click like, subscribe, comment. You can comment to Simon. I'm sure he'll reply and we'll try to reply as well and do all that sort of stuff. But yeah. the other thing, Simon, where can they follow along now? With your, because I know you've got um, Simon Evans Motorsport. Is that the best page to follow? Absolutely, yeah. Simon Evans Motorsport on um, on Instagram. I think it's at Simon Evans Motorsport on Instagram, and then uh, on Facebook, it's just Simon Evans Motorsport. Uh, you can definitely follow along there, and uh, we keep that up to date. And uh, yeah, you can you can contact me on there as well. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear some funny stories, yeah. Uh, it's the right place to be. And again, same with Jackson. Like I love following Jackson on Instagram because he's always up to some maniac move. He's got a, well, what, what's his um, Subaru that he's got it? Cause it's not a, no, it's an early forester, isn't it? But it's all lifted yeah. and big yeah. ties. He takes it dunging. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, he actually just sold it to be honest. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was all jacked up and he had like a four and a half inch lift on it. And it was nuts. It was a cool car. It but, was very cool. Yeah, down here in Victoria, the cops are a little bit uh, down yeah, they the get us. So, they don't like it in Queensland either. Yeah, so they don't like a car with a four-inch lift and um, big, you know, bigger tyres and all that sort of stuff. So he got rid of it before he got into trouble. Um, but now he's just focused on the racing. So, yeah, I think he's, he's actually, to be honest, he's just got a patrol with a V8 and a Chevy. And, ah, yes. Yeah, an old, an old patrol. Probably down the path you guys would love. Yeah, we like that sort of stuff, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, I'm sure you'll see a little bit of that as it comes up. But uh, Perfect. He's just he's just finished painting it. And, Brilliant. Um, it looks pretty cool. So he's driving it. He actually was around here today in it. So he's driving it around again. So I'm sure you'll see some videos on Instagram. Was it Jackson UTV something? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. We'll try to we'll try uh, to link that one down low. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. We uh, we better wrap it up only because, you know, it's getting late and, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. I know you've got a lot of work. Concrete and you'll be up at 2.30 in the morning, won't you? Oh, mate, yeah. That'll be first beers, won't it? <laughs> three o'clock, usually get up. Three o'clock. So. Oh, that's too early. Us electricians, we don't get out of bed until like nine. <laughs> I'm the, I, was just, uh, I think I say it on the King Grand video, I'm the bloke that wakes everybody up. Yes, yes. yes. Pisses them off, generally. Perfect. No, well, that's brilliant, mate. We'll let you go, but the moral of the story is that we'll we'll have to have you back on. We've thoroughly enjoyed chatting. You. I knew you had a ton of stories. I've had a couple of catch-ups over a few few roadies with uh, Brett Comiskey and a few of the other boys there that used to race the side-by-side. And, oh, uh, mate, yeah. good guys, good guys. And, yeah, it'll be a pleasure to catch up with you. We will see you at Fink. We might try to even get you on and do something out there with uh, the rest of your crew out there with Evans Motorsports. I'd be happy to be there and uh, look forward to catching up with the, the, the boys from Dirtbags. Ah, hey. Absolutely. Awesome, mate. Well, Josh, have you got anything to add, mate? 
No, it's just been a, it's been great, mate. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, to jump on and and tell us a few of your stories. And like I said, uh, the one I really wanted to hear is Dan had told a little bit about it, but that the story of breaking the legs and then continuing on in the in the rally championship is just it's nuts, mate. And then and then knocking it back. So yeah, awesome. Thank you very much for for your time and your effort. And yeah, we will definitely uh, have to have you back on again. So. Thanks a lot. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. And uh, until next time, keep the shiny side up. <laughs>